0: Not, a, not really, I mean, we're, I plan, we plan to travel some, um, just hopefully just be able to do whatever we want. Um, if we wanna get up one morning and drive to Colorado, then we'll get up and drive to Colorado that day. That freedom to be able to just go and do what you want, when you want is is where it's at to me.
1: You're listening to the Millionaire's Unveiled Podcast, where you'll hear the stories and interviews of everyday millionaires will unveil their decisions, their strategies and their current portfolio allocation. Now to your hosts, Clark Sheffield and Jace Mattinson. Welcome back to another episode of the Millionaires Unveiled podcast. This is episode number 264. Man, it has been a wild week in uh, sports between the MLB and football and NFL, college, etc. Man, what a what a phenomenal week of sports. And, uh, you know, I thought it was interesting. We have a, a guest on today who has been primarily in the oil and gas industry his whole career, kind of landed into it, uh, as he puts it, and, and has stuck with it. We also had a comment this week from our president out in California that, you know, gas prices were, you know, more or less significantly higher in california than anywhere else in the country so to speak i don't want to get into to the politics of it and everything but i find it interesting and that's partly why i thought it'd be interesting to have uh, you know have this guest on this week is because we actually haven't had as much probably oil and gas representation as as maybe i would think given that there's especially in in my home state Texas there's there's quite a few millionaires I know of for sure in the oil and gas industry but just in general it's such a massive industry and it affects you know nearly all of us daily and so as we've seen prices come down significantly you know across the country for the most part and kind of trickled back up but they've come down from you know some of the the significant highs that we had, you know, over the course of the summer, to a more reasonable level, so to speak, except for in California. And we don't get into that discussion with this with, with our guests or anything. But I just thought it was interesting as as we look at, you know, as I'm watching football and I'm watching all these sports and all these different demographics, and you know how California is one state, New York's another, and Florida, Texas, and all these different Alabama. Tennessee in, in the mix and, and all these states and how their, you know, micro and local economies really do affect us and affect us, you know, on a personal financial level differently. And and that's why, you know, to some degree, you know, there I really don't believe there's one size fits all. I mean, personal finance is extremely personal. And I know that's an odd tie to football, but I was watching all these different people in all these different states and how these implications of every little thing plays into you know why people live where they do and what they do in those states and you know what the taxes are like and and all that kind of thing. And then I saw this quote from from our president about that California always has high grass prices, which traditionally it does much higher than than other states, uh, but you know not uh, has not come down on on the level that the rest of the the country has. so. At any rate, a little interesting tidbit there. This week we have Tyson. Like I mentioned, he's been in the oil and gas industries. 51, his net worth of $3 million. He's got a paid for house valued around hundred fifty grand. He's had that paid off for quite some time. He's just under about $500,000 in company stock. And then he has the rest in, in the market and various retirement accounts and other accounts. So truly a, a millionaire next door. Last week we had Justin, jack of all trades, uh, to so, so to speak in a way, and he's made most of his money and made his mark as a voiceover artist, and he had a net worth of one point nine million dollars. So without any further delay,
0: let's get into the interview with Tyson.
2: Tyson, do you want to just give us a little about your background or what you're up to now?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I'm an operations manager at an oil and gas facility in in Houston area. I grew up in in East Texas, um, away didn't really have any any desire to go into the oil and gas business. It just kind of fell in my lap as a as an early 20s um, or mid-20s uh, individual. Uh, my wife and I were about to get married, and this opportunity came along, took it, and uh, it, it's worked out really, really well. Nowadays, I'm, I'm married, got two kids, one 20-year-old, one 16-year-old. We live in a small East Texas town, and that's about it.
2: Awesome. And what is your net worth today?
0: It's just a little over three million dollars.
2: Congrats! And how is that divided up?
0: Uh, it's about two point nine million divided up into several um, retirement accounts, IRAs, four hundred one ks, between me and my wife. About four hundred and fifty thousand in uh, in company stock from the company that I work for, and then uh, we have about thirty five or forty thousand in cash that we we hold in the bank, and then our paid for house.
2: Okay, and how much is the house worth?
0: Uh, roughly about 150
2: oh, okay and when did you pay that off
0: uh, it's been paid off for probably 10 years
2: okay so a majority of the money that you have invested in the market retirement accounts is that in index funds bonds individual stocks
0: No. the only the only individual stock I own is, is the company stock that I work for um, the rest of it is all in mutual funds um, I've I've stayed away from index funds for the most part. Uh, I, I try to pick. I take the Dave Ramsey a, approach and try to pick uh, mutual funds with long track records. And uh, there, there's plenty of them out there that, in my opinion, from what I see on paper and what I've experienced, produce much better returns than the S and P 500.
2: And what are what are some? What would be an example of like a fund that you're looking at that does better than the S and P 500?
0: uh probably the best performing fund that i I own right now is one called etglx it's uh eventide gilead it's been around about 13 years i think it's averaged about 17 and a half percent uh annual rate of return but um i have three others i can't remember the the names of them right this second but they were all founded in the mid 80s one was 84 two were 1985 and since that time, they've all three averaged between 15 and 16% rate of returns since 1984 and
2: 85. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So when did you start contributing to these retirement accounts? Because it sounds like a lot of this has really been the the growth that's come from them if you're getting 15 16% returns.
0: Yeah, so I started work at, for the company that I'm at now in 1995. Uh, we were not allowed to start a 401k immediately. We had to wait about 90 days. We were young newlyweds, so we didn't have uh, a lot of disposable income. And uh, so it was several months after that before I started. So probably close to 26 years old when I started funding. Um, I started with about 10% and then just gradually increased it up to the maximum that they would allow us to put in. But back then, they gave um, some pretty simple options that, that we were open to. I think an 8% return was, was what they were targeting for the highest aggressive portfolio back then. Shortly thereafter, or late 90s, I, I went to a Dave Ramsey conference, listened to him and stuff just made sense to me as far as the investing side. So as soon as they opened up and, and started giving us a few more options, I started looking for those, those stronger, more aggressive um, mutual funds. And then probably mid 2000s, our company changed um, the, the provider, and we were given a lot more options then. We, we were given probably 25 or 30 different options. Same deal, just went with the most aggressive options that I could come up with. And uh, it, it's been really, really volatile at times. Um <laughs> I kind of hate to admit this year during the pandemic. And during the month of March, I lost uh, almost $700,000 in, in market in my um, account. But by June, mid June, it was back and I ended up closing the year up by over $400,000. Did you touch it at all when it dropped like that? I did not. I've, I've never touched it. It's had three major drops like that that I can remember. And uh, I've, I've never touched it. I just just kept Funding and kept funding and kept funding.
2: Were you tempted at all?
0: Uh, I think you're always tempted, but uh, by the time you talk yourself into it, it it's it's almost too late. So uh, I wasn't in anywhere anywhere close to ready to sell or ready to cash out or ready to retire. So there was really no benefit to me at that point. If it uh, if I have confidence that the market is going to come back over time and uh, just keep funding it.
2: Were you tempted to add a bunch more, maybe not in retirement, but into a brokerage or something when it dipped like that?
0: Yeah, I would, have, I would have really liked to have had a lot of cash sitting on the sideline at that time because I, I would have done that, that very thing, but I didn't have enough to really make that big of a difference. So um, I wasn't going to deplete my emergency funds to, to make that play. So
3: Tyson, how old were you when you became a millionaire? You're at $3 million now, give or take. How, how old were you at the first million?
0: It was around forty-five, um, just a little over forty-five years old.
3: Okay, I a, and you're, you're young fifties now.
0: Fifty-one, yes, sir.
3: Okay, uh, so so six years. That means you're going another million every three years.
0: Yeah, I had a I had a goal. I wanted to I wanted to hit two million by the age of fifty. And in late January of twenty twenty, it actually hit just over two million, and then started trickling down just a little bit. And then the whole pandemic hit. But by the end of the year. Um, It was back up to 2.3, 2.4, somewhere close to that range. And um, yeah, my my individual IRA, it went from, I moved it from, this is one of the mistakes that I, I made was not moving it. It sooner out of the old 401k account with a um, with another company into an IRA. So three, just a hair over three years ago, I moved that finally from that old 401k account into a brokerage account. And in uh, three and a half years, it went from nine hundred and fifty thousand to a little over one point eight million. So it's doubled wow. in just a hair over three years.
3: And that's all in that in those mutual funds you referred to earlier.
0: Yes, sir. I have that one in about five different funds, I believe.
3: So I looked up, I, I looked up this index fund or this mutual fund, excuse me, I'm looking at on Fidelity. So ETGLX, Eventide Gilead Class N. So it started in 2008, your your life annual return is about 17.3%. S&P during the same period, it's just short of, of, just shy of 12%. So, and it started in 2008, your heavy tech, heavy hospital, I'm just using this, or healthcare, just using this as an example. What or how much of your net worth being at 3 million and most of it here well two-thirds of it right has come in the last six years which means a bigger chunk has come in the last 12 years how much of it is due to the market going crazy and do you worry at all that hey the market might slow down right i'm in these mutual funds it's yeah it's a 17 percent return now but what happens when that comes back should i take some off the table or what's your thinking there
0: i i think often about whether or not it's time but I, I just i can't talk myself into it i'm hoping that uh if that were to have if we do have a, a large pullback i can make a move quick enough to pull some of it back i, I probably because i don't i mean i f- i fund my 401k account as much as i can possibly fund it right now um but that IRA account is not being funded any longer, so it wouldn't do me any good to to uh, ride that one back and then try to keep funding in into it because I, I don't have anything going into it, obviously. But yeah, it, it's it's always in the back of my mind that um, wondering if if it's going to take a big hit or not. But uh, so far, so good. We've.
3: Uh, I mean, I guess it did, right? You said March of 2020. It did.
0: Yeah. So I, I'm I'm really hoping that for the next foreseeable future four or five years that the bear market that we um, experienced, but we just never know.
3: Yeah. Yeah, of course. So you mentioned it just briefly before I asked that last question, the option of switching to the Roth. Talk about that. You mentioned that maybe was one of your mistakes early on.
0: Yeah. So when I I first learned about a Roth, probably close to 20 years ago, some friends of ours introduced us to a uh, advisor through Prime America and he, he, talked us into opening up a uh, a Roth IRA and we did but the the mistake that I made with that was he told me that if once you got to about 35 to 37 years old the Roth didn't make sense anymore and I just took his word for it and and listened to him and um so i never when i a few years later we got the option at our work to switch our our uh, 401k account to a roth and i didn't do it because i had, i was listening to this other other individual i really wish now that i had uh, i had converted that money over because Another probably six hundred thousand, or about six hundred thousand dollars of this would have all been Roth money, um, on top of the Roth. And, and
3: now, none none of it is Roth.
0: No, I do have some Roth. the The four hundred one k account I have currently with my employer now is um, is a Roth account, and then my wife has right at a hundred thousand, or about ninety thousand, in a Roth account as well. So we have two hundred fifty three hundred thousand dollars in Roth.
3: Okay. Okay, gotcha. So, do you think about required minimum distributions on your traditional holdings?
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, this, this is uh, the, the advisor that I have now. We've actually been in discussions with um, talking about when I when I retire, um, making some of those Roth conversions as soon as the year after I retire, so they don't have the uh, the income issues with uh, causing the higher tax tax brackets. But uh, now we're hearing that the new administration may put a stop to those and
3: <laughs> they may not let you do that huh yeah yeah we'll see how that plays out right so tyson you're a you're a total market person here right no real estate no hsa 529 no crypto i mean you're just market and cash and a little bit in your house a little bit as a percentage of your net worth that is
0: yeah i I've, I've thought over the years about getting into real estate rental real estate but i'm just i i, I cannot imagine myself being a landlord nothing about that sounds fun um, i know there's money to be made i know it's it's a good investment but my personality would not fit i would end up letting the people live in the house for free before having to kick them out and, uh, <laughs> that, that would just never work right so but yeah um everything else is, is is in the market it's what I've gotten used to it's what I somewhat under i don't i don't know that i fully understand it but I understand it enough to to, to do what I'm doing um the uh like I said earlier the crypto I stay away from had some some good friends of mine try to talk me in, into that but I just never could make myself pull the trigger on it.
3: Yeah. Talk about that. Cause earlier before we started recording, you said you just stay away from things you don't understand. And if you don't get it, you're not going to pull the trigger on it.
0: Yeah. I think that's one of the things that, that I learned in, from listening to Dave Ramsey over the years was uh, that's, that's one of the things that he pushes is to stay away from things you don't understand. And, I didn't do that one time uh, several years back with options trading. I got into that for a little while, and after a couple of months and thirty five thousand dollars of cash gone, I decided that wasn't for me either. So I uh, I got out of that. Really haven't played with it since. I've had a few opportunities to do it again, and just I'm not a not a big gambler. I went to Las Vegas a few years ago and uh, never played a never played a, a game in a casino. So we just <laughs> just went to watch a concert. <laughs>
3: So you're 51 years old, net worth of three million. You say five million is maybe your number, right? Did you ever think you would get to three, or when did five million become that goal? So a couple questions there. Did you ever think you would get to three, and how did you come to five million being your number?
0: So early on, when I was younger, um, I, th- I thought two million was the number. If I could get to two million, that would be plenty. I can do what I needed to do, um, but I expected to get that by 60, 62, somewhere in that range. So when this started looking more and more uh, like I was going to be hitting three to four, just set myself a goal of five. I figured if I get to five, that that would be plenty. That That's for me to pull the trigger to retire on. I had three numbers in my head. I figured I could retire at three if I if I wanted to. I really wanted to get to five, but I would probably be at four. So <laughs> I you can take that for how you, how you want to, but that that's what it has always played around in my head. Now, once I do retire, which I'm hoping to do in the next five or six years, I, I don't intend to stop investing. I'll, I'll continue to invest in, in mutual funds. I'll, I'll pull out what I need each year to live on and the rest of it will go back in the in the market. And I'm hoping that if I live to 80, 85, 90 years old, I'm hoping to to pass along with uh, roughly ten million or so in uh, in investments.
2: So ten millions a goal, and that's what you're wanting to pass on with? Yes, sir. And do you plan on leaving that to anyone in particular, or how is that going to end up when you when you pass on?
0: Well, I'm sure we'll we'll leave some to the kids. I don't know that we would leave all of it to them. We'll probably probably set up some sort of foundation or trust to. I really like supporting mission work in Africa. We have a, a missionary that we're good friends with that we support a lot. I really, I'm interested in getting into drilling water wells in Africa for some of the tribes and stuff out in the remote areas. Um, I would actually like to go do that myself on on top of uh, being able to fund stuff like that.
2: Interesting. Is there an item or anything that you want to spend money on right now or in the near future?
0: Uh, I would really... I would like to have a small ranch somewhere, um, probably maybe in the hill country in Texas. If I don't, um, if I don't end up buying some more property around close to where we live, I'd really like to have two or 300 acres in the hill country in Texas. I do like to hunt a lot, so that that area is prime for that.
2: About how much would that cost in in your mind to buy a ranch like that?
0: Depending on where I would end up finding it and what it got on it, whether it's just raw land or land with a small house, or it, they can go anywhere from six hundred, eight hundred thousand up to a million five. I, I think probably somewhere in the the million million two would be the cap of anything that I could possibly afford.
2: Okay, so. Tyson, it sounds like you're a pretty simple guy. I mean, you probably have enough you could retire today. Is that correct?
0: I could. I would be leaving a lot of money on the table if I did. As through with uh, where I work at, just from some of the stuff that we're given, um, it has to mature over time, and so I have to be there until 55 years old if I want to take full advantage of that.
2: Is that related to company stock and options or RSUs or something, or what's what's the yeah, the detail there? It,
0: it's all restricted units. Yeah
2: okay so So you're planning on staying on board at least until those all vest
0: yes that's correct
2: and then at that point will you say hey i'm done i'm hanging it up and moving on
0: yeah unless we have a a huge market drop between now and then and uh where it doesn't make sense any longer than i'm still young enough i can pull off a few more years and uh and still retire at a decent age but uh hoping that hoping it all works out for the 55 56 time frame
2: What, what how do you quantify what that looks like for you? And I guess it'd be four years, four or five years from now in your mind, like how much are you staying on for to, to cash in at in five years?
0: Oh, uh, it it would be a few hundred thousand dollars.
2: Okay. So stay on for five more years and it's getting a couple extra hundred thousand as part of a RSU package and then, and then move on.
0: Right. Yeah. So, I mean, on top of your salary and bonus structures, uh, the RSUs are on top of that, so those mature over a five—I mean a four-year period. I'm sorry, and uh, but once you reach the uh, 55 years old with 30 years of, of service with the company, then you can claim those um, all of those RSUs at, at one time, so you don't have to wait for the four years for them to mature. Okay, gotcha.
2: So. At 55, you're going to retire. Do you plan on doing anything special in retirement?
0: Not a, not really. I mean, we're, I plan, we plan to travel some, um, just hopefully just be able to do whatever we want. Um, if we want to get up one morning and drive to Colorado, then we'll get up and drive to Colorado that day. That freedom to be able to just go and do what you want, when you want is, is where it's at to me.
2: Mm-hmm. What are you going to do for health insurance as you move into this next
0: phase of life? Probably start off. We're both pretty healthy, so probably start off with something like a MediShare type program. And later on, um, move into the, the Medicare uh, options. We should have enough to be able to fund the uh, the additional Medicare Part B and all of that. Uh, I haven't looked into it really closely yet because I'm still, what, Fifteen years away from being eligible for it, but uh, that's that's where we probably will end up.
3: So Tyson, let me push you on on staying at the career. So you say it's a few hundred thousand dollars more. You're you're at three million now. I assume pretty soon you'll hit four or five million. You value the freedom. How, how come stay on?
0: I can't make myself give up that little bit of extra money.
3: And <laughs> <laughs> I, I just I asked because I think it's interesting, right? We ask our millionaires, hey, what's the goal or when you get to, but. It's hard because I think you say the goal is three. You say the goal is five. Not you, just in general, right? People say they have a goal, then they reach that point, and then it's, you know, I think it's hard to walk away.
0: It, it is, um, and I mean, at the end of the day, they could fire me tomorrow. So if that were to happen, I would lose whatever I had in um, in, in that portion of the accounts, and uh, I'd, I'd be stuck with with what I'm at. So or looking go looking for another job, and that's not very palatable to me.
3: Right. You enjoy your work?
0: I do. Most of the time, it's 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 a lot of fun. Uh, I mean, it's, it's it can be stressful at times. There's a lot of a uh, lot of moving parts, and we uh, we move a lot of a lot of petroleum products across our docks, and it's um, it it can be a dangerous situation if things aren't handled properly. And got um, about a hundred people that work under me that uh, are all out there moving those those barrels moving those products every day and they become like family. So you're worried about them all the time.
3: Yeah. Do do your kids know your net worth?
0: Not specifically. I mean, they, they have probably a, a small idea. I doubt that they know. They probably think it's probably closer to one or one and a half million if they had to guess, but, I mean they know we're doing okay but
3: that's about No, it. I just I just ask is if you if you're at 3 you have the goal of 5 10 million dollars you know how how do you keep them how do you keep them free of a sense of entitlement especially if they know that at some point they're going to get the money right
0: i think yeah. that's something
3: our millionaires think about
0: yeah that that's one thing that's that's kept us from from just sitting them down and telling them look this is where we're at and this is what you're going to get in the future if and it's all going to be dependent on how they behave if they if they don't behave, they won't get it. So, but they're, they're both good kids and they they both behave pretty well now. So hopefully they'll continue down that path.
3: Yeah. So when did this, let's go back to your story here a little bit. We've been hitting on a lot of the personal finance stuff, but your story, when did this all start? I mean, obviously you're primarily in the market, nearly all, but how soon did you start contributing to your, either your 401k or how soon did you start investing in in retirement accounts or not how soon, but sorry, how early?
0: It was around uh, late in my 25th year or early 26th, right after my 26th birthday, somewhere in that, that range, which would have been early 1996. Probably is when I first started, but um, it, I've just kept it steady ever since. I mean, we've I've never stopped, never cut back on on investing. I went up a few times. Um, one time I was up to twenty two or twenty three percent of our income going into uh, retirement accounts without a, a company match. Um, I mean, we had one, but it wasn't that wasn't calculated into that twenty two or twenty three percent. Right now, because of the, the income level that I'm at now, I'm, I'm only at 12 percent, the company matches another 12, and then, but all of the the stock, the RSUs that I get, I don't cash in. I, I keep those and hold those on for a bridge account from 55 to 60 years old.
3: And how much were you putting in every year? Were you just maxing out the retirement accounts, or?
0: Yeah, we were maxing maxing out our 401k and um, and my wife's Roth IRA for a while, and then uh, whenever. I worked for a smaller uh, family-owned company up until 2015, and we got bought by a larger company. So when that happened, they gave us some pretty decent bonuses, and it put us above the threshold to be able to fund a, a Roth account again for a couple of years there. And then uh, so we, we stayed away from, from that for the time being. And then we just just never have started it back up because we were going to have to go into doing in the back door, Ross, and I just just have went back that direction. I didn't really feel like I needed to at that point.
3: Yeah, did your wife work outside the home?
0: She did when we got married. She was a school teacher. Um, when we got married, uh, we got married one week, went on a honeymoon. She started her job the next week. I started my new job the next week. So we had quite a little run there for about three weeks where we were going crazy. <laughs> but um, we she taught for almost six years. And we started having children, and uh, we uh we actually had a little daughter that that we lost at birth, and then after that we had oh, a son. Sorry to hear. Thank you. And uh, our first son came home healthy and happy, and she said, "I really would like to stay home with him." And uh, I said, "Well, I would rather have you raise him than a a daycare." So she's uh, pretty much stayed home with him ever since, and. We started them in public schools, and then in, uh, I believe it was their, my oldest one's sixth grade year, we switched over to a, a homeschool program, and uh, then we went into a homeschool co-op in Beaumont, so the kids go over there one day a week, and they have regular classrooms just like a public school. They get all of their schoolwork for the week, and then they come home and, and do the, the rest of it at home, and it has worked out really, really well for us. Um Neat. We were able to travel and go and do things during the week when nobody else was around and it's just it worked out really, really well for us. And of course, wife being a school teacher, it makes it a little bit easier.
3: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Thanks for sharing. So as your net worth grows and and as you get older, what do you value more in life?
0: Uh, time. Um time's something you can never get back. I mean, once it's gone, it's gone. So that's that's why I really wanna Pull the trigger as early as possible.
3: Yeah. So, just in closing here, and then we'll get to some rapid fire questions and wrap up. If there are a couple of things that you could point to, Tyson, in your journey, and say, "Hey, that's what helped me become a millionaire." What would those be?
0: The the steady investing, um, paying attention to it. Uh, don't just don't just buy something and sit back on it and never look at it again. I, I try to look at at nowadays. I look at it almost daily, but I, I look at it. Research-wise, probably at least once a month, once every two months. Um, if some, I, I don't move a whole lot of the funds around because the ones I found typically produce. But last year, I found two that weren't. I got rid of those and got into one new one. Um, I don't remember which one that was. But then I, I broke the the rest of the money up into a couple of the other ones that were performing better. For the best piece of advice I got: my best friend, me and him were riding back and forth to work one day and he told me he said best thing you can do in your life right now is to start tithing he said i cannot explain to you why things if you're if you're giving 10 percent of your money to god how it makes everything else in your life add up better he said but it does and so we were we were on and off kind of at the time so we started digging into it and, and have, have done it ever since and just been blessed more than we could ever imagine.
3: Yeah, let me and let me just give you some credit because you're probably too humble to say it yourself. But you mentioned before the show, before we started recording, that you tie or give away twelve to fifteen percent of your income annually. So yeah, that's,
0: that's what pretty we amazing. Try to do, and we have probably, we have more than we can than, than we need. And yeah, it's it's if I can give anybody a, a word of advice, that would be a, the biggest one.
3: <laughs> Did you ever have debt, Tyson?
0: We did when we were young. We, we had car notes and boat notes and, and things like that. Uh, we've never. There was a few times that we got a little probably cl- too close to the edge on on how much we had in debt, but uh, we we've peeled that back over the years. And and the only we do have a car note right now. It's something I'm not real excited about, but it's the only it's the only bill that we have.
3: <laughs> <laughs> why why not just pay that off? I don't know <laughs> <laughs>
0: because I don't want to turn loose a thirty-five thousand dollars.
3: <laughs> yeah. Did you go to college?
0: I I went for a short period of time. I ended up getting an associate's degree in drafting. Um, I I did drafting work for about a year until this other opportunity came up. I wasn't making any money at all. I was making about $20,000 a year back in, in 94. Another good friend of mine told me, he said, I just got this job with this great company. He said, you ought to come to go to work for us. Well, they, I went and talked to them and they, heck, they were going to pay me $500 a month more than the other place was going to pay me. When you're only making $20,000 a year, that was that was a lot of money. And uh, so we talked about it and decided we wanted to do that. And its it's been a, worked out really well for us.
2: All right, Tyson. We'll appreciate you sharing all this. Let's wrap up with some rapid fire questions. What's the most expensive car you've purchased?
0: Uh, the one we have now, it's a Ford Explorer Limited. It's uh forty, forty two thousand $42,000.
2: Okay. What's the uh, most expensive vacation experience that you've paid for?
0: Ooh, uh, we went to Florida Keys uh, a couple of times in the last five or six years on dive vacations. Um, we stayed down there for one time seven days, one time ten days. Uh, they were probably ten, ten or twelve thousand dollars a piece.
2: Okay. If you had ten thousand dollars right now, you have to spend it. You can't save it. You can't invest it. How are you going to spend that?
0: Uh, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to Africa and going hunting.
2: Okay. Have you
0: done that yet? I have. I went five years ago and it was it was fantastic.
2: Okay. Cool. How old were you again when you reached your first million?
0: Uh, about forty five.
2: Forty five. Okay. And planned age for retirement is fifty five. Yes, sir. Okay. What is worth the money to you?
0: What is worth the money to me? Um, Experiences. Uh, I I love taking trips. I love um, experiencing new things. But I can't, once I get something into my system that I really enjoy, I can't get away from that either. So I find myself wanting to go on more and more trips because I want to go back to the place I just went, but I want to go to somewhere new also.
2: What's not worth the money?
0: What is not worth the money? Trying to keep up with everybody else. Just... I see people constantly that the only they've got to be spending money to keep up with the next guy. They've got to be buying a bigger house. They've got to be buying a bigger car, and and that stuff just doesn't appeal to me.
2: What are you doing to make your life happier?
0: Just trying to enjoy my family.
2: Okay. Well, Tyson, last words of advice for those that are just starting out or getting started?
0: Start now. Um, the the sooner you can start, the better. Start early and save aggressively. Put in as much as you can possibly put in and look for places to, uh, to invest outside of, of traditional accounts. Max out your 401k, max out your IRAs. You still have money left over, find brokerage accounts to be able to invest in, but to marry the right person. If you don't marry somebody that's on the same page that you are in every aspect of life, you're going to have difficulty, you're going to have trouble, and you're going to, you're both going to be miserable if you're a if you're a tightwad saver and you you're wanting to save money for retirement and all she wants to do is buy the next 1500 dollar purse then you're going to be at each other's throats constantly and vice versa if she's that the tight one and you're the guy that's got to have a 60,000 dollar truck every other year then you're going to you're just not going to be successful
2: what what's been the range of your household income through your working life
0: so when we got i was making 20,000 dollars a year before we got married my wife got and i got married she was making 20 also so together we were making 40 and right now for salary and and cash bonus is around 200
2: okay awesome tyson last words of advice any mistakes that you'd caution those to to avoid
0: stay out of debt um as much as as humanly possible Um, people think that it's not possible but it is if you can live within your means and and save and invest and just get used to that lifestyle. Don't don't stretch yourself too thin to where you become miserable. That, that's it to me.
2: Awesome. Thanks, Tyson. Net worth of just over $3 million. Thanks for coming on the show today.
0: Yes, sir. Thank you.
2: Thank you. Thanks for listening
1: to the Millionaire's Unveiled podcast with Clark Sheffield and Chase Mantinson. For more stories, investment opportunities, and information, check out our website at millionairesunveiled.com. See you next time when you'll hear from another everyday millionaire.